Bless you, Father. Father, we thank you, Lord, for a sharp word. We thank you, Father, for a resilient word, one that illuminates and activates and quickens the spirit within us for. That's what you have created us and recreated us to be. Thank you, Father, that we've come, first and all, to worship you in the house of the Lord here on Sunday morning. And then also, Father, to share your word. And Father, that then to be those who live your word and become those who are a testimony of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We began a series on Come Out of Her, My People, a few weeks ago. I would recommend that if you've missed any of that to go back and see it on, and listen to it on YouTube. I do want to welcome those who are online with us. Thank you for being there. I have too many names to announce right now, but another day we will greet you. Thank you so much. I do see what you write, and I know I don't write back to all of you all the time. It's just a matter of time for me, but thank you. It's very encouraging, and we appreciate that you're with us wherever you're at in the four corners of the earth. And so today's message was titled, You Are Wired to Overcome, and I want to embellish that a little bit with you. And I want you to understand that essentially, if you're in Christ, and if Christ is in you, which we'll delve into a little bit, then you almost have an unlimited capacity in God for everything. Almost an unlimited capacity, and we're going to deal with that. And I want you to let this percolate in your spirit while we highlight some areas and bring things that you already know, but bring them to light and maybe quicken some things that you just haven't really settled in your spirit as the Word illuminates and brings you a fresh revelation. In a practical sense, you have this unlimited ministry, and it's because of Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. Jesus in you and you in Jesus. Let that focus into your spirit just for a little bit. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, Paul wrote to them and he said, there's no other foundation that anyone can lay than that which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, on a theological sense, we say, okay, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm grounded in Jesus, but it's deeper than that. Basically, you could also insert and say there's nothing else you have to do or can do that Jesus hasn't already done for you. We need to understand that it's not just in the present tense of what Jesus is doing for you, but there were things that were resolved and concluded when he went from the cross, descended into hell, and resurrected. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, do you not know, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Now, let's put it in context of Paul with the Corinthians. He had chastised them and he said, I've been feeding you milk because many of you are carnal. Even though you say you believe in Christ and you do believe in Christ, you haven't moved beyond that level. You're still still relating to the flesh. You're still relating to your own wisdom. You're still 
relating and being, being formed and moved by the things of the world and by advising counsel around you that doesn't have godly wisdom. And this is a very difficult, fine line for us to walk in a sophisticated, scientific, medically enhanced, media-formed world, isn't it? Um, we want gratification right now. We want answers right now. Um, we, have, we go to doctors. Um, the whole world is preparing to inoculate everybody with a vaccine that they admit they've rushed through and they don't even know how it's going to work or what it's going to do. But everybody wants that answer. They want that vaccine. And they're going to try to determine and sift you by whether you receive it or you don't receive it. There's going to be those who get an A because they got vaccinated and those who get an F because they will not. There are going to be those who are allowed to travel overseas to different countries because on their book it will say vaccinated. And there will be those who will say you cannot enter it's not coming, it's here. So you understand. And so Paul was crying out to the carnal Christians in Corinthians, and he said, don't you understand that the temple of God, you are the temple of God and God is in you? Basically what he's saying is, do you know who you are? You say you believe in Christ. Well, as we've often said, so do the demons. The demons believe that Christ is, but Christ is not in them. And they're not operating under the understanding that Christ has already become their conqueror, their victor, that he's already overcome the world, and that he's already done everything for you and I. So we want to move into that realm. And before we do, let's just think a little bit about Jesus. If we're going to talk about the fact that what we, who we are and what we receive and what we do is because of Jesus and Jesus in us, then let's just take a moment and reflect upon Jesus. Now, we could do that for the rest of this week and through eternity, and you will have a time to do that in eternity, but let's just hit some high points right now. And as you do, I want this to percolate inside of you, as I said. I want you to say, he's in me. This is Jesus and me. This isn't me talking about a third person. I am in him. He is in me. If you are in him and he is in you, and even as he prayed out to the Father, and even as he declared, then you aren't just about being a third person away from Jesus. You are part of the person of Jesus in you and you and him. How many of you say, Pastor, that's abstract, but I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to understand it. I want to know it more. Don't just know it in words and in your mind. Let's receive it in our spirit. Because God is a spirit, and we want to know him in that spirit. And so let's just talk about some of these amazing attributes of Jesus. Oftentimes you've heard me say we should be careful about saying I have the DNA of Jesus in me. No, you have the DDA, the divine design attributes of Jesus in you. Jesus' body has gone forward. We still have mortal bodies, and these mortal bodies are a real pain in the butt, are they not? I mean, you know, we have to overcome them all the time, do we not? And we have to, we have to balance our faith out with overcoming either our issues or somebody else's issues with the tissues. It's a lot of things that we have to deal with. But let's talk about God's attributes. Who is he? What's he like? What kind of a God is he? Well, he's unlike anything that we could possibly grasp and imagine 
Only in the Spirit can we have these glimpses as we did this morning. But here's some of his attributes. First and foremost, God is infinite, correct? There's no beginning, there's no end. He's self-existing. Nobody spoke God into being. We can't even understand what it is like to just have always been. God had a hard time communicating that, did he not, to Moses and to Abraham and to his prophets. He said, I am. Who are you? I am. He has known nothing else but I am. And in that instance, in, his, in, in the fact that he's infinite and eternal, this is what we can grasp from that. And the fact that he's self-existent is that nobody can take away the promises from you and from I because they are infinitely grounded in him. They haven't just been created. They've always been. God just didn't get in the healing business. He's always been in the healing business. God just didn't become good. He's always been good. God hasn't just become light at some point. He always has been light. And so we understand, and when we admit this, that this God, this root of his name, which is self-existing, as it tells us in scriptures, this God who says, I am, I am self-existing, he only can understand. He can only have relationship with us in the ultimate ability of what he has for us when we meet him at that level. If we meet him at any other level, then God says that's not the kind of God faith that he's asking of us to have. That's the kind of faith that pleases God. First of all, that God is, yes, and you've often heard me say that's a wonderful thing that somebody's come to the conclusion that God is and that they've been redeemed, but there's only two choices, yes or no. It's after that, what do we do with it? And that's what Paul was crying out to the Corinthians. He said, you're still on milk, you're still carnal. You know that God is and you've received these words, but you're still operating in the carnal realm. And that's the function that we have to move ourselves beyond. We have to get past common faith and get into that faith we talked about last Sunday that is the faith that comes from the grave type of faith. The faith that says, God is able, nothing can kill me, nothing can stop me, no one can steal my soul. I have all power through him in his name. Stop and think about that for a moment. How often do you really exercise those words from your mouth? How often do you exercise it in your faith? How often do you exercise it in your prayers? But Jesus said, I've given you all authority in my name. All authority means you have authority for everything that he is, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost is, without limit. That's why I say we have an almost unlimited ministry in God, and I'll deal with that in a moment. There's, I, I call it the three persons, and one and a half of them is constantly trying to limit us in us. But we have an unlimited ministry in God if we have a relationship that is at the level of unlimited power with an unlimited God. And we must say it, we must act upon it, and we must believe it, even, even when the faith must come from the grave. Even when it seems shattered and resolute and gone and there's no other hope. Even when it looks like as if there's nothing else that can be done but God. God is able because God is and he's eternal and he's self-existing. 
Another thing that we can bank on with God is what? His immutability. He doesn't change. Jesus doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We might change. Our opinions might change. The prognosis might change. Medicine might change. Even the the, the minds of great scientists and medical people might change, right? How about that little guy Fauci? You know, in March he said, don't wear a mask. Now today, if you don't wear a mask, something's wrong with you. He changed. I don't know how he changed or why he changed, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you to wear one or not wear one. All I'm going to tell you is that's the expert. That's the expert. What will change next month? God does not change. God is immutable. And so when we read in Romans, and we read in in Romans 11 and 2, and Romans further, that the law of the spirit of life is in Jesus Christ. The law of the spirit of life is in Jesus Christ. That doesn't change. That doesn't change. It doesn't matter about a vaccine. It doesn't matter about an EKG. It doesn't matter about a cancer test. It doesn't matter what the doctor says about your eyes. It doesn't matter about anything. The law of the life is in the spirit of Christ. So that's the law of the spirit. The law of the spirit is embedded in Jesus Christ because he's eternal and because he doesn't change and because he's all about life. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. So what? So that we might have life and life eternal. That's the whole purpose of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And his relationship with us is to return us to that, that, that power of the Spirit of God that he created us in. And so we need to move beyond. And it starts by, first of all, accepting a word like this. Now, if you're, if you're bound up in religion, you'll reject this word. This word is is too abstract, it's too supernatural, it's too powerful. It puts a demand seemingly upon people that they'll never live up to. Really? Really? You know, for us, for those who believe in Christ and believe in the power of the Holy Ghost and that Christ and the Spirit is in us right now, when we pass past this mortal body, it's just a transition. It's just a transition. In fact, we're those who say, I've been set free. I've been set free of this replaced knee. I've been set free of of, of a lot of issues with the tissues. I've been set free of the struggles and the finances and the problems. I've been set free. I'm free indeed. But the Lord also says, those whom the Lord sets free is free indeed now. We need to go to that next level and to live it like we are it in everything that we do. Because he's infinite and because he doesn't change. God is self-sufficient. He has no needs. God doesn't need us. He desires us. He doesn't need us to do anything for us. He's pleased when we do things in his name for his kingdom. But have you ever thought of it this way? He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then he'll add everything else unto you. He didn't say, I'm going to give you everything so you could seek the kingdom of God and then you're going to find righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God. If God says seek it, guess what that means? You can find it. Ah, where is the kingdom? The kingdom is inside of you. You are part of the kingdom. It's your kingdom too. You're not an outside citizen. You're a citizen of heaven that happens to be on earth. And we are the ones here on earth that have been given the authority and the mandate to bring 
heaven to earth. Bring thy kingdom to earth. We're the ones. We're seeking the kingdom of God. Now, if God has no needs, if God is self-sufficient, that means that the laws of his kingdom are self-sufficient. His government is all-sufficient. His government, the government of God Almighty, has no needs whatsoever. That means as a citizen of the kingdom of God here on earth that you have access to everything in the kingdom, not just in the great by and by, but in the great now and now. You have access to it now. What does that mean? It means anything that you will allow it to be. Anything you will allow it to be. Now, we're going to talk, and I told you that we're limited by one and a half times of ourselves that we have to overcome, and we'll discuss that in a moment. But first and foremost, I want you to continue to ponder and percolate on the fact that everything we're talking about, God and Jesus, is in you. It's not out to be reached that you can't grab it. It's not existential. It's not outside of you. There's no barrier between you and all the promises of God because the promises of God are the Spirit of God in you, in you now. So that means that as you become aware of them and you declare them and you activate them, that literally you are operating with the power of the kingdom of God in the power of the kingdom of God. How many of you are getting this somewhat? How many of you are saying, I'm totally lost? It's okay. You'll get there. How many of you are saying, I think this guy's crazy? Mm -hmm. How many of you are saying that, you know, where I came out of or how I was taught or what I was done, this would have never been accepted? Huh? Really? Yeah. I mean, I remember somebody telling me early on that, you know, we were made to suffer. <laughs> we were made to suffer. I, and that person, I thought, because they, they dressed like somebody that was really important in a religious you know, black garb, and they had a collar on and everything. I thought they really knew what they were talking about, but I realize now they were just a prisoner of religion. They just couldn't go to the next step. They believed what they said because that's the way they explained their life and how they could counsel other people's lives that came to them because it's as far as their faith went. It's sad. God has no needs. He's self-sufficient. And because of that, you in Him can go and have all your needs satisfied. Seek first the kingdom of God. What does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? Lord's in me. Jesus is in me. I'm seeking he who is in me who's greater than the world. And every need that I have, he said he will supply and take care of because he is self-sufficient and there's nothing that he can't do or won't do. And he loved me so much that he gave his only begotten son so that I could have all of these needs inside of me met in the great now, not in the by and by. God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Is God all-powerful in you? Come on. I see a few heads like this. I see a people like this. Don't measure God in you by you. If you do, you lose. <laughs> measure God in you by God. Right? I'm not all-powerful, but in Christ I am all-powerful. I can do all things through God who continues to strengthen me in the power of his omnipotence and his kingdom. I can do nothing of myself that has any meaningful last because I'm limited. But in him I can do all things. He's all-powerful. 
And so the measurement of what God can do with you and what you can do is not even restricted by this earth. It's not restricted by even the laws of this earth. Not even, listen to me, restricted by nature. Nature must conform to God. Nature must conform to God's Word. Now, I don't claim that I can tell nature what to do every moment, but I've had my moments. I don't know how many of you have had a moment. We've had our moments, right? I mean, you know, I've shared them with you. We, we had a drought in Africa, and it had it for two years, and I saw all the dead animals and the carcasses and the skeletons and the parched ground, and it was dusty, and it was terrible. And God spoke to me, and he said, declare that the drought will end, even though there was no clouds in the sky, and the weather forecast was same drought. Nothing's going to change. Not going to be a wisp of water, not even a cloud. And God God said when and how to do it. My legs were shaken. I really, I had a hard time because my mind said, this doesn't make sense. Why are you putting me in this position, Lord? What, what are we doing? But just as the Lord said, a little cloud came through and was created that afternoon, and the drought was broken, and they had rain every day for 30 days. Just like God said, because, because, the power of God is omnipotent, and you don't even have to succumb to nature. Nature, in one sense or another, needs to get aligned with you because you're all-powerful. You're all-powerful. You all know the story about the tsunami that was hitting Hawaii. My daughter was there. The Lord, my wife woke me up. I, they don't know about it. Well, I don't want to get into too much about me. We'll do that another day. But God stopped the tsunami. Scientifically... And, and meteorologically, and all I did was wake up in a stupor because my wife told me my baby girl, my oldest baby girl, was being threatened, and, and I didn't know what to do, so I just said, this is what I said, if I be a man of God, if God be in me is basically all these words compressing into faith that had already percolated inside of me, things that I had taught, now it was time to put it to action. How many of you would you know feel so helpless if you're told you're child is thousands of miles away in imminent danger, and there's nothing you could do. What do you do? You say, Lord, if I be a man of God, if this all be true, then I declare now that that tsunami stop and turn and go the other way. You cannot touch my child. And then I, she called, and they were up in the clefts of the rock. And I said, honey, look out, and you will see that the waters will be stopped, and you'll see a stirring in the waters off to the right. And that's an angel that'll be holding it back. Came out of my words. I said, boy, that sounds pretty good. And she saw it. And it happened. And of course, the scientists came out afterwards. They had all kind of explanations about why this water had come up like a wall. And then all of a sudden, went down. Because God is greater than nature. He's greater than everything else. We're limited by these bodies. We're limited by these minds. But God is not limited. And so our challenge and our blessing and our opportunity is to take the chains off and just let God go in the face of it all. You're never going to have a victory unless you ever have a battle. You're never going to overcome giants unless you fight a few. You're never going to strengthen your body unless your body needs strengthened and healed. I mean, this is what it's all about in this life that we're in. It's called overcoming. And you have been wired 
to overcome. That's who you are. It's not about flesh. It's not about science. DNA doesn't do it well. DNA is trying to say God has the same kind of makeup we do. No, no, God doesn't have the bodily makeup that we do. We're in an image of God. God has divine attributes, and those attributes are inside of you and inside of me. When, when we accept them and move on them. How about this attribute of God? God's all-knowing. God's not surprised about anything. He already knows. How many of you admit that sometimes when you're praying or you're seeking God, you spend some time telling God what it's all about? <laughs> Lord, I got this thing on my knee, and it's really red. God said, yeah, yeah, come on, come on. And, and, and uh, Lord says, Frank, you lost three hairs last night. Huh? You didn't even know you did. Frank, you were walking under a tree. The wind was blowing. It was about ready to snap on and hit you, but I held it back. You didn't even know I saved you. You ran late because you couldn't find your keys at 7 o'clock in the morning, and you didn't get out till 7.15, and by the way, you missed a truck that was headed head on to you. I had you covered. Huh? God knows everything. We need to spend less time telling God about what he already knows and more time telling ourselves, God knows this. He's got it. I believe it. I receive it. Huh? God knows everything. Because God is all-knowing, guess what that means? That means you have access to the all-knowing God for every one of your situations. You don't have to figure it completely out. In fact, you probably wouldn't do a very good job trying to figure it all out. You're better off to say, I'm going to let God take care of this. And Father, let's just cruise in faith and see where we're going to get. Why am I sharing that? It would change our prayer life if we accepted it, wouldn't it? I mean, it's okay. God will fellowship and he'll talk with you about all your problems. You could tell him about your toothache, your backache, your kids, your this, your that. He likes it. You know, God's, you know, there's, there's a side of God that, that likes communication, men. Men, there's a side of God that likes communication. Women know that. So it's okay. We men don't communicate very well. We don't even communicate well with God, do we? We don't spend a lot of time just saying, oh, Lord, I'm going to just today, I see which shoes I'm going to take out, and I'm going to wear these shoes, and uh, uh, oh, Lord, what should I buy today at the store, and what should I? We don't do that. You know, men, men have a different approach. They say, God, this is the problem. We need to fix this. That's the way they go. God's got it covered in both ends. He's got it covered in both ends. God is all-knowing. And because God is all-knowing, then that means that you too, with God, can see through everything. Even when you don't see it, you can rest in the faith knowing that He inside of you has it covered. Deep is calling to deep. The Spirit of God is searching the spirit of man, and there's a communication beyond your ability to comprehend and communicate that is going on between the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God inside of you and the Spirit of man, right? It says in Romans 8, there's a language going on, a discussion going on, groanings and mutterings in the spirit world where your spirit is interceding for you in ways you don't even know in a language that only the Holy Spirit understands between the inner spirit of you and the spirit of God. 
That's a constant communication, a current that's going on. Oh, if only we tap into it for a short while, just a short while. That's why it's important. That's why we shouldn't say and, 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 and diminish the power of praying in the Spirit with God. We may not understand everything we're praying about, but we're edifying, we're building up in the Spirit of God, and things are being downloaded into our spirit, and our spirit's downloading into God, and we're taking a moment out. Now, uh, anybody here ever have, uh, well, everybody, almost everybody's had an electric tool or something that you've had to charge with a battery, a flashlight, something, rechargeable? Recharge. How about your phone? Recharge. How many of you charge your phone every night? Eh, yeah. And if you forget what happens, the phone is useless. It's, it's nice. It's expensive. It has no, no value to you. You may as well chew on a roll of toilet paper. There's nothing left there. So that's the same thing with us. We need to re-energize. We need to regenerate. We need to say, Lord, I'm going to take a moment out. I'm going to pray in the Spirit with you. You say, well, I haven't yet been able to pray in the Spirit. We'll get you baptized in the Holy Ghost. It's not for some. It's for everyone. And it's okay. You're still saved, and God still loves you, and everything's wonderful. But why not do it? You're better to have it, right? I mean, you could be Fred Flintstone and want to propel your car with your bare feet with holes in the floor. Or you could put gasoline in your car and let the car turn ignition and let it run in power. Turn ignition and run in power. Plug into the all-knowing, ever-efficient, sufficient God who's powerful with God. And so, how about this? How about this one? God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. God is everywhere. God was with my daughter Carissa on the other, on the high ends of, a, of an island in Hawaii when I couldn't get there. God was with my son Sam when he nearly got shot down with a missile. Split second saving his life. God had it. God had it. We didn't even know what happened. God had it. God was with me when they said I didn't have but 12 hours to live as a child. God was with me in a plane accident that I walked away from when I crashed it. God was with me in a car accident head-on when I came through. God was with me when he got me out of a wheelchair, never supposed to walk again with rheumatoid arthritis. God was with me when the doctor said I had a tumor in my head that was causing me to lose my, 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 my hearing and was going to cause me to lose my eyesight. God was with me. God is everywhere. He had it. I didn't have it. And most of the time I didn't have the faith or even the understanding of the danger I was in. God had it. God is everywhere. He's everywhere always. And this ought to give us comfort. It ought to give us comfort when we're lonely or when we're having sorrow or distress. And this knowledge that we're never alone would help to carry us, that God is with us no matter where we're at. How about this one? God is wise. <laughs> he is so wise. One of the names for Christ is wisdom. And yet, Paul says this, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. And then he later tells us, but we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. It doesn't mean that this, this brain in your head physiologically has been taken out and something else has been put in. There's not a God computer stuck in your head. What it is, is you are connected with the wisdom, the ultimate wisdom of the universe. And the mind of Christ is ours. 
so that when we begin to think in a realm that's not Jesus' realm, we need to reset, regenerate, refresh our minds, renew our minds, and remember, He's all wisdom. God is not just some wisdom. <laughs> He's all wisdom. All wisdom in all things. The only reason we miss Him in some things is because we don't let Him in on the things. We do them ourselves. We get ahead a little bit. We get presumptuous. But God reels it back in. God is all wisdom. All wisdom in all things. And guess what? When you combine that with the fact that He's infinite and all-powerful, He's all-powerful, infinite wisdom. Wow. What leader wouldn't want to be able to tap into that? God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. God created faith because He is faith. And He says to us, if anyone is lacking, ask me and I'll give you the measure of faith. What measure? The measure that you need for the moment that you need it. That's the measure that's available to us. It's not like you get one level of faith and somebody else gets another level of faith and someone gets a level and you might be on the short end of the ladder. No. No, it's the measure of faith that is required for what you need at the time that you need it. We ask him, and if anybody is lacking, what does he say? Ask. And what will he do? He will give it to you. Gladly, freely, freely, freely give you that faith. Why? Because God is faithful. God in you is faithful. You in God are God faith. Remember when Jesus said in Matthew, he says, have God faith. They didn't understand what he was saying then. They couldn't understand God faith. They, they hadn't yet been born again. The, Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit hadn't regenerated their bodies. They didn't have a new creation spirit inside of them. And so it was carnal, like Paul was chastising the Corinthians for. And like, unfortunately, a vast majority of believers who believe in Jesus Christ are stuck in that same carnality. They don't understand God faith. God faith says it just is. God faith says there's no doubt. God faith says you don't have to do this to do this. Just believe. Jesus said, have God faith. And Mark, he went a little further. And he said, if you do, then speak to that mountain and it shall be gone. Speak to that problem and it shall be gone. It's not that you need to do anything. You need to what? Access the God faith. You may not have enough God faith to overcome stage four cancer. God has the faith. You may not have enough uh, uh, faith in your own to overcome a situation and a problem or something that's been a malady or nagging at you for a long time or relationships with children or spouses or relationships. You may not have enough faith for that, but God has it. And so you need to access that faith. And when you access that faith, you need to be willing to act like God. You need to be patient. You need to believe. You need to have declarations that are positive along with God. You know, I've often wondered if there's any words that God has never spoken, and I think I came up with one. I can't. I think I came up with one. Now you would say, well, what about fellowshipping with sin? Well, David sort of settled that one in Psalms. Because he said, Lord, if I go to the heavens, you are there. If I go to the hell, you are there. If I go to the 
farthest parts of the world, there you are. There's no such thing as I can't with God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can because of who he is. Moving fast now. I got to move fast now. How about God is good? God is good. God is good. God didn't just choose to be good. God is good. He, has, he, he just is good. Just like he's infinite and all-powerful and, and, and self-sufficient and all-wise and all-faithful, God is good. So what does that mean? It's by his nature, by his very nature, he must, because he has no other inclination, want you to be blessed. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to call him his blessedness. He wants you to be his children. He wants you. He has this desire that for you, for you, that you will overcome everything. How about this? God is just. God is just. God is just. Well, it works for us and against us. If we're doing the wrong thing, God is just. If we're obeying God, God is just. If we ask him to forgive us our sins, he is just to forgive us our sins, and to help us get set right back so we don't have to live in the shadow of bad decisions. Come on. All things have passed away. All things are made new. A new creation in Christ. God is just. He doesn't want to condemn you by the past. He wants to bless you by the future. Why? Because God is good. And God in you is all good. God in you is all good. There's no bad God inside of you. God can't do anything less than God is for you and me. He's not diminished, fortunately, by the bad decisions you and I make. He's not diminished by our failures. He's not even diminished by the limited mindset we have about ourselves. God smiles at that. He says, ah, I got it. I know you can't get there, but you will someday. I got it. I got it, daughter. I got it, son. I got it. You can't do it. Trust in me. Get yoked to me. My yoke is easy. I'll take you there. I'll carry you there. Just believe. Just believe. God is good. God is good. God is perfect. God, oh, do I love this one. God is merciful. His mercy endures forever. <laughs> I know it says we're saved by grace, but you know what that means. It means that it's nothing you can do, and God is sustaining you in his grace. But it was God's mercy that never gave up on you when you didn't even listen to him. You understand that? Mercy saves. Grace sustains. And I know the word says you're saved by grace. Yes, you're saved by grace because there's nothing you can do for it. But it was God's mercy for you and me that put up with us when we didn't deserve it at all. At all. God is merciful, which means because he's infinite, he never gives up on you and me or anyone else up to that last breath. He's compassionate. He's kind. He's gracious. God has grace. You know, I often laugh because uh, amongst the girls, when you grow up amongst a household of girls, Sam finally came, but let's face it, till he was about eight or nine, he was also dominated by all the women in the house. And so the one thing the girls would always do 
because of their older sister and my wife is they always wave like this. Who does that? The queen. Gracious. The queen, full of grace. So when I think about how gracious God is, I see his hands like this. There's a difference, though. His hands have your names written on them. So when he goes like this, he sees your name before his face every day. And wouldn't it be wonderful? And someday we'll see it. Remember when it says, kiss the sun? Wouldn't it be wonderful if the Lord kisses your name and shows it to the angels in heaven? This is mine and who I'm well pleased. They know me. They have my name in the hands of the Lord. Gracious, gracious God, gracious God. God is love. God's love. Pure love. Unadulterated love. A love that conquers everything. A love that never fails. A love that's beyond any capacity that we have to fully understand. But yet we so much endear the love of God. And he so much loves us. It's a task for us to try and understand it. But the word tells us that on God's love, whoever's been born of God, whoever loves, they've been born of God, and they know God. So when we're having a hard time loving some people, huh? let's not talk about things. We, just, we, we think we love things. We don't know anything about things. Let's talk about people. It's impossible for us to love with grace and mercy and forgiveness and patience without the love of the Lord. It's impossible. I'm telling you right now, I've got so many flaws, you could pick them apart like a bird in the hay. I admit it. I'm working on them. I think some I probably don't know about. After you get so old, you don't care anymore about some of them. You just feel it's a rite of passage. You don't deal with it. Yep. People with gray hair are going, yep, yep, yep. They're all smiling. Yep, that's me. And they're looking at the person next to them. See, I told you. <laughs> love, the love of the Lord. My God. If there's anything that will help us to overcome in this dark world and in these times that are besetting us and in our situations and problems, it's the love of the Lord. And how about we agree with this, that first and foremost, we ask the Lord to settle in our spirit how much he loves you. That you say to him, Lord, how much do you really love me? The Lord loves to be challenged like that. He'll just flood your heart with the warmth of his love because he has to. It's who he is. It like turns up the fire. The heart starts to throb, boo, 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 like the cartoons. God loves me. The love of the Lord. And then when we pray for God to give us his love for someone else, huh? He'll do it. He has a few rules. Bless them. He says, bless them. 
forgive them. I'll show you love. Early on, Jeannie Delbona said to me, you know how God teaches you love? I said, nope, I'm not feeling it. I just got saved, got thrown out of the temple, lost my family, lost my business. I said, I'm not feeling any love here. I don't know about this love in Christ stuff. I just know he's real, but I ain't feeling the love. She said, he gives you difficult people. And that's how he teaches you to love. That's how he teaches us to love. Because God loves us through all of our difficulties and situations and problems. We don't deserve his love. Two more. God is holy. God is holy. And in his unchanging, infinite self, he's holy. That means that there's an element inside of this temple, this spirit, this born-again spirit, recreated a new creation in God that is holy. Uh-oh. How many of you really are not too arrogant and you're humble enough to say, there's a Holy Spirit inside of me? Think about that. Dwell on that. Worship the Holy Spirit. That's why when we're worshiping and praising and watching the dancers and, you know, I, I just melted watching Say today in the glory of their, and in, in, in just the delicacy of her worshiping of the Lord. I close my eyes and I think it's me for a little bit. All right, quit your laughing. And, and the spirit inside of me gets warm with the worship. And all of a sudden, all the troubles and problems start to just vanish because of the holiness of God. The holiness of God inside of us. That's why Paul said, don't you know that this is the temple of the Lord? Treat it right. Be good. Don't put the wrong stuff in it. Don't let the wrong stuff come out of it. It's the temple of the Lord. The holiness of God inside of us. Here's the good thing about holiness. Pure holiness cannot allow anything with it that is impure. So if the holiness of God is inside of me, that's my shield. That's my defense. That's my spiritual vaccine. That's the thing that keeps me holy with the Lord. God is holy. God in you is holy. You're a holy vessel of God. Finally, the glory of God. Father, I pray that you give them this glory that I have with you always, that they will be perfect even as we are perfect, me and you, you and me, we and them. And the glory which you have given me, I give to them. That's the God stuff. That's the God stuff. You have the God stuff. And that God stuff has all these attributes all wrapped up in the glory of the Lord inside of us. And if the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead dwells in you, then He shall quicken your mortal body. And Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. The glory of that Spirit dwells inside of you. 
and he shall quicken your mortal body. What a promise. Quicken your mortal body. We came to the altar believing. Don't leave here without believing and receiving it this morning. Continue to hold on to it. You had a quickening here this morning. God pronounced it. It was the word of the Lord. It was a word of anointing. It comports with the word of God. And we do declare that that same spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in you. And if he does, then he quickens your mortal body. Quickens your mortal body. Heals it. Gets it sharp. Rubs off all the rust. Gets it right. Quickens. Doesn't take a long time. Just like raising Lazarus from the dead. It might have taken a few days for Jesus to get there. But he said this was to show the glory of God. And when Lazarus rose from the dead, he didn't smell. He was quickened. When the three Hebrew children came out of the fire, they didn't smell like smoke. When Jesus resurrected from hell, stained with sin, your sin, my sin, everybody's sin, he entered into the Holy of Holies. You know what that tells me? There's a place for you and I there too. He made a way. We were baptized with him into death. We're resurrected with him into life. Jesus made a way. So what's the one and a half limitation? Well, you got a body, you got a soul, you got a spirit. That Frank Flesh guy, I locked him up again this morning. He's pounding on the door. He wants out over here on the side. I don't let him out until later on. In fact, sometimes I try to forget him there, but that rascal, he sneaks out through the keyhole and ends up making his way back to my house. Frank Flesh is a rascal. He fights Frank's spirit. The body, we got to overcome it. Eventually, your body is going to die here in the flesh. Your spirit's going to live. Accept it. But don't be stressed out or paralyzed by it. Fight it. Overcome it. Pray. It's okay to pray, Father, I want to be strong until I'm gone. That's what I want to be. My body keeps trying to fight that. Little things hurt and little twitches come. And after a long, hard day in the cold, there's some aches, there's some pains. Some stuff tries to come into my body and Little things try to speak to my mind because, you see, we have a body and we have a soul. And the soul is that mind area and your emotions. And, boy, your emotions will lie to you. Emotions are great when you're happy, right? The Lord says it, it's, it's, it's merry medicine to laugh. So he knows that our body likes to laugh. It's a good thing for us. There are certain passions that are good. Nothing's better than, you know, a nice piece of rhubarb cherry pie good cup of coffee, smelling it in the morning. Those are good passions to have, but they shouldn't decide our life. So we're limited by one and a half. What's the one and a half? The body's one, the soul's a half. Why? Because we can pray for the soul to get in line with the spirit. Hard to pray for the body to get in line for the spirit. That rascal, you got to kill it. The Lord says crucified every day. Crucify that body. That flesh got no place in the Spirit of God. Best thing about flesh is to burn it at the altar. 
And then all of a sudden it becomes a sweet aroma to the Lord because it's burning flesh. Half the soul constantly fighting those passions, those lusts. Because the flesh also is trying to impose itself on the soul just like the spirit is. The spirit's willing. The flesh is weak. And they meet in between at the soul. So one and a half of you is limitless. The other half, you've got to beat it into submission with the one and a half that's limitless. The one and a half that believes that God can do everything for you. Quicken your mortal body. Renew your mind. And the best thing to do is to train our mind to have the language of the Spirit. Because even when you're not, your spirit is speaking that language. And your mind is accepting and receiving it. Amen? Back to the opening. Jesus percolating inside of you and me. It's Jesus. That's why we're wired to overcome. It's because of He who is within us. We're wired. We've just got to not separate and break the circuitry. Keep it going. And if we do, we need to get right back to God as fast as we can to renew our faith, renew our minds, renew our spirits, build up in the most Holy Ghost, and declare the things of God. We're overcomers. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. He's already made the way. And the word of our testimony, just so you're clear with that, the translation of that word is logos. It's the word of God. Not your own words about you. It's the word of God. The word, Jesus Christ, in you. The power of God. That's our testimony. Here, on earth and in heaven and forevermore in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you, Lord, that this may not be some kind of earth-shattering message, but Lord, it's balm to our beings. At a time, Father, when we need to make sure our feet are settled on the pure foundation of Jesus Christ, that we're not shaken by anything that we hear, see, or that anybody tries to impose upon us, Lord. Father, help us to walk in that power with more strength, with more resilience, with a commitment, Lord, that we shall not stray from the word of the Lord that is pure and true forevermore. Father, we thank you that you're in us and that we're in you. Lord, you become more. You increase. And let our flesh and our soul decrease. Thank you, Jesus, that your soul was made a trespass offering, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Supply the needs. Finish the work, Father, that you've begun in each and every person here today and online. Lord, I'm expecting, we're expecting hundreds of testimonies that God touched and healed, not because of who we are, but because of who you are. And we do declare in the name above all names, the name that every knee must bow in heaven and on earth for eternity, forevermore, Jesus Christ is Lord. And in there is our power and our authority. We thank you, Father. We bless you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, and Holy Spirit, fire up inside of us. Turn the furnace up. Pray for us. Pray with us. Pray in us. 
pray from us. We thank you for it. In 